<laughs> and Cynthia Sue Larson is here. Yay. She is the best-selling author and spiritual life coach who helps people transform from accidental manifestors into conscious reality shifters. Yes, accidental manifestors into conscious reality shifters. Can you believe that one? You are now <laughs> you are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, your new book, Reality Shifts, when consciousness changes the physical world, is incredible. Your book is a heart button stimulator, Cynthia. I just have to let you know that when I picked up your book, I had a hard time putting it down. It is magnetic. Your book truly captivates our imagination for transformation and opening the doors for new thought. And in fact, I've handed my book to others on the spot. Um, It never fails. Whenever this book is open, they are hooked with juices flowing to really read more. Cynthia's favorite (laughs) question... Cynthia's favorite question in every situation is, how good can it get? I love that one. Cynthia has been featured in enormous TV and radio shows, including the Discovery Channel and the History Channel and BBC. Cynthia Sue Larson, we are so thrilled to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you so much. and Thank you so much, Taz, for your kind words about the book. and It makes me so happy to hear how well it's being received. So I really appreciate hearing that. (laughs) Well, you must have had fun working on this book because everything within this book is like uh, you read it and you have a giggle in your heart. And um, I've never seen a book like this. So let me ask you, what are reality shifts, Cynthia? Okay. Um, Well, the best way to describe it is that a reality shift is something that changes without any real explanation for what's going on. So it seems to change by itself, which includes things that appear out of nowhere, that disappear, suddenly vanishing, um, that transform from something that they used to be into something that suddenly they are that's very different. And they transport. They seem to teleport just instantaneously from one place to another. And sometimes... There are changes in the way we experience time. So the simple way to look at it is it's almost like magic, but these are things happening all around us all the time. A most common example would be, of course, the socks in the washing machine. People have talked about that for decades, where you do a load of laundry, and where do the missing socks go? I mean, they literally seem to vanish. (laughs) That's like a very good example. And then pretty much everyone has had the experience when they're in a big hurry to leave the house And it really matters that you're on time to get where you're going. But with all that angst and that ungrounded energy, unfortunately, this is the time it's most likely that people do experience a reality shift where their keys are not where they know they put them. I mean, and they really did put them where they know they put them, and that is correct, but they're not there anymore. They've either teleported or just plain disappeared for a little while. And they yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, a lot of times when I'm looking for something, I'll find something I had lost a week ago while I'm looking for the thing I lost just now. <laughs> right. And so you can say, well, yeah. maybe there's a reason for all this because I'm coming off a little better than I started, even though it's not what I meant to be doing. <laughs> That's for sure. And, and what I what I love about the idea of reality shifts is that it's not as scary as it might seem. This can be a wonderful journey and a fun adventure because the more that you start recognizing reality is shifting, the more often we actually catch it in the act or see that things are um, changing, appearing, disappearing, transforming, and transporting. And this is going on all around us. This is, in fact, I believe, how we manifest parking spaces. It's how we get spontaneous healing. It's how we encounter synchronicities and coincidences in our life. It's basically the act of bringing things that are normally experienced on the quantum level into the macro level. So the kind of stuff that you'd expect to see like quantum teleportation, quantum entanglement, quantum tunneling, you know, all these things that uh, physicists would be looking at with things even smaller than microscopes. I mean, they just really need to look at the very tiniest level of reality to see that this is going on all the time. But we can actually see these things happening at a level that we can see and physically witness. 
and sometimes in ways that are just shocking. Um, but like I said, it's a good experience. So that's what I like to emphasize. Do you well, believe that you we? You know what? It, okay. Go ahead, Paula. I said, do you believe that we live more than one life at a time, and maybe this is part of all of this? Well, if you are asking if it's possible that we're living in parallel worlds, I would say yes, it is possible that we're living in parallel worlds. And that's another way of saying we're living more than one life at a time, usually not consciously. Although sometimes we can get sort of a psychic leak through, a feeling of deja vu or like we're really close to another reality. Like something's, um, it can even give you that feeling like like someone's staring at you or like you're just really close to something. And you can move between realities that way. That, that's that been my experience. So it's possible once you kind of get the feeling of how to surf reality <laughs> and you're noticing reality is shifting, it's happening all the time. People talk about law of attraction and manifestation. These are similar things. And I'm all I'm doing is just um, compiling a bunch of real-life experiences, real-life encounters with reality shifts that I've had and that people close to me have had. So these are first-hand accounts in the book Reality Shifts, uh, including um, having seen a cat come back to life after it had died. And the same thing happens with people. Uh, famous personalities are often reported being seen alive again. So that's why the parallel worlds theory is a pretty strong one, because uh, just like it is with quantum physics, it's a pretty strong contender for explaining what's going on on the quantum level. Uh, it's pretty well, I think strong. it makes you blink your. I think it makes you blink your eyes a few times when things happen like this. Is going. <laughs> I mean, uh, is it? I, 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 uh, maybe about five years ago, I had um, lost a pair of sunglasses, and I, uh, I thought, man, I can't believe it. I looked all over in the whole thing, and um, and <clears throat> about three or four years later, I walked out to the car. And I looked down where the keys would be on my finger. Instead, those pair of glasses were on my finger out of nowhere. And I stood there. I just, literal amazement. I know I never pick them up. I, You know what I mean? Your mind goes through all kinds of uh, twists and turns. I mean, your mind has been tweaked. you gotta, you got to believe. <laughs> you know. And I'm sure this has happened to other people as well. It is strange. It, it drives you back into thinking, you know, what just happened. Exactly. And that's the right question to really pay attention and notice that something is amazing going on and that it's not something to dismiss simply because there's no place to put that experience. And for a lot of people, that is, I believe, what's, what typically does happen. If if you don't think about reality shifts and you don't realize this is a, an experience that everybody encounters from time to time, then it can be dismissed and often if you look back at your life and think about things that happened in childhood and as you were growing up there were a lot of inexplicable events and occurrences and experiences and when you recognize that this is a way to put your mind around it and conceive of that this sort of thing can be happening and in fact it is happening then you can move into this wonderful place of living lucidly to literally create a life that you love which positively influences your future and your past. So it's a very interactive experience that can unfold for you. And that's where, for me, this is such an exciting book. And I'm so glad you picked up on that, Taz, that it's a heart button stimulator because that's a great way to put it. I, <laughs> that's what I was setting out to do is just let people know that this is all having to do with our hearts, with our, with our ability to perceive and be aware and that we are literally changing the world with our thoughts and feelings. It's so magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what good are reality shifts for us? Can you can you kind of pull that up? I mean, uh, I literally it transports us maybe into thinking differently or something. Yeah, at the root core, the the main benefit is internally, I believe, for ourselves and the way that we can be in service to others and be supporting everyone in the world. So that's the for me, that's the very bottom line. But on different levels, uh, people may initially be attracted by the thought of manifesting things uh, very much. If, if people are interested in law of attraction, this is definitely the book that they'd want to read about because it's talking about things that are 
not usually discussed. It's it's it may seem miraculous. So it's and when I say that, I mean with regards to healings that are described in reality shifts, um, where a person came out of a coma. He was a friend of mine, and where amazing healings can occur. So it's it's all kinds of manifestations. Just literally recognizing that the way that we think and feel has such a powerful effect on the world, and we're not stuck. We're not prisoners trapped in the internal messages that we internalized from childhood and so forth. We can change that programming, and that's why I focus a great deal of energy in the book, Reality Shifts, about how to do that, how to transform negative thought patterns and sabotaging beliefs into actual areas of strength so that we can enhance and improve the the very results that we most enjoy. It has to do with, of course, dealing with our subconscious, because uh, that's usually where people don't pay attention to how their thoughts and feelings are affecting everything. You can see it in other people, of course. You can see that person has a cloud over their head, and they're just always looking down. They're looking so negatively at everything. But it's harder for us usually to notice when we're doing it ourselves. Well, what brought you to um, really be interested in reality shifts to the point that you even wrote a book about it? That's a great question. Well, it all started when I was observing reality changing and shifting around me, um, and I I just felt like I can't be the only person who's witnessing this. Now, mind you, this was back in the days when the Internet was still um, just through the universities, and it was not even called the Internet. It was more the ARPANET and... And so it's hard to go back that far in time before the smartphones and everything. But way back then, um, back, I guess, um, you know, back to the early 1990s, I was looking around and trying to find, surely there's been something published about this because I'm literally seeing buildings and people appearing and disappearing in front of me. This is a big deal. And, And I don't do drugs. I'm not under the influence of anything so, and I know what I saw. I'm absolutely sure of it. And when I started wishing to have witnesses observing these things with me, then I did. And instead of clearing up the confusion and saying, oh, yeah, I just thought I saw something that I didn't. No, we definitely did see something that was quite remarkable, such as a sundial sculpture appearing in the Berkeley Marina that had never been there before. And this is a huge sculpture that was decades old. So once I saw that many things happening, that's when I set up my Reality Shifters website and invited people like myself to share their stories so that I, I thought it was very important that people know that they're not going crazy, that this is real. And actually, I think these things are stepping up and happening more frequently um, now that we're in 2012. It's, it's just been a gradual in, slight increase every year. Uh, when I first started publishing these stories, people were just shocked. Like, wow, I, I thought I was the only one that experienced this. But <laughs> and it was embarrassing for people to talk about it. And frankly, when I would raise the subject with my neighbors, I would watch people back away from me. So I, I know. <laughs> like, uh-oh. She thinks things appear out of nowhere. Uh-oh. <laughs> So yeah, I just I it was due to my experiences that I really wanted to learn more and share more about the the entire experience of reality shifts and find out um, how how big a phenomenon this is, how far what does it encompass, what kind of reality shifts are possible. I had so many questions, and I was asking questions about a field of study that seemed um, right on the very fringe of knowledge, you know right on that cutting, bleeding edge of um, what we currently know. So it's it's really the realm of the uncertain. A lot of people in science would rather study what we don't know that's pretty easy to study. And this field of reality shift is not easy to study because most of what happens is not repeatable. It's not um, something that's replicable in the laboratory. So as far as I'm concerned, it's more of a naturalistic sort of science, the way... Early observers would study biology and look at plants and animals when they're traveling, like Charles Darwin when he's traveling the world with a theory that there is something called evolution, and he's not sure, but he feels like if he just got enough samples of animals living in isolated enough locations, then this could fill in the gaps. Well, I wish there was something like that with reality shifts, but so far 
I haven't found a way to uh, create a repeatable type of experiment to prove um, without a doubt to people who are on the fence or just skeptical that this is even going on. But in the meantime, those of us who have experienced reality shifts, we can share our experiences. And, and I just love the idea of having a book that you can set on your coffee table and then when people come in and they're just you know, taking a moment looking through it, <laughs> boy, yeah. can it create a conversation. Yeah. Well, well the thing is, is why why do you think reality does shift like this? I mean, I mean, I I I look at okay, do we program it in our brain somehow that you know, we allow this? I mean, I'm looking at my my glasses in my hand and I'm going, I I never thought three or four years later this thing would pop back on my finger again. So, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, how do we program? How do we? How does this happen? How does it really happen? Can can you shift reality on demand? I mean, um, like, uh, could have I could I've asked them for the, that sunglasses to appear earlier? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Those, yeah. Exactly. You can uh, develop some proficiency with this, and maybe we're not all going to end up like Sai Baba, just manifesting things out of thin air in our, the palm of our hand. But uh, with a little practice, you can bring things back to you that have, have been missing. I've done that myself, and um, one of the and I've got tips on how to do that, both on my website. I even have <clears throat> I have it on the the um, lost page. I think this is the 404 message on the website. So if people somehow stumble onto a page that doesn't exist on RealityShifters.com, then they get tips on how to find lost things. Because <laughs> I thought, what a perfect place to put it. <laughs> yeah, little joke. But, um, well, that's but interesting. That number four hundred four. I have to tell you that number four hundred four is actually a complete turnaround. A three, you know, is a hundred eighty. Is it a hundred eighty turnaround or a three sixty right. turnaround? Three sixty is a full circle. Yeah, yeah. So it's like um, a, a three sixty degree turnaround uh, for, for the number forty four. So four hundred four. So that's oh. interesting. You have that that um, particular information on that. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is it requires. Um, Come just bringing the entire energy body of a person into alignment on the desire to get the missing thing back. So once I, for example, I lost a little jewelry box that I carried. It was my travel jewelry box that I, it was about the size of the, something that would fit in the palm of my hand. It, it fit a couple of rings and a little necklace and earrings, and I kept it in my purse. And one day I came back from having spent the day at a um, book signing, an event somewhere, and I checked my purse to pull out my little jewelry box, and it was gone. And I just had a hor- horrified moment of thinking, wow, it must have fallen out, or maybe someone stole it. And I panicked. But that's not the right way to bring something back is panic, which I quickly reminded myself. <laughs> yeah, panic is not good. That's not right. The, the right thing to do is to acknowledge, of course, I love my jewelry box or your glasses or whatever it is that the person is missing. I just love them so much, and they love me. And I know that they're going to come back to me. So it's really a matter of um, just getting your your gut feelings calmed down so that you don't have that clenching, tight feeling in the subconscious, gripping your insides with fear. Instead, you just let that relax, breathe deeply, breathe deeply down to your belly, and just get that good, happy feeling that uh, we'll be reunited again at the right time and the right place, hopefully pretty soon. And then allow your, your mind to... Um, get into a daydream state, ideally. And you can also, you can actually go into a bit of a trance state. Some some people, if they're in an urgent emergency about missing something, you can just do a walking meditation in a circle, maybe in your home. Um, that's exactly what I did. I, I have a circular path I can take in my house just through the kitchen and living room. So I started walking around in that circle, just wishing and hoping for a reality shift I'm clearing my mind so I could get a vision, if if one came, like a daydream, of where I might expect to see that jewelry box. And I saw it in, in my underwear drawer, which I thought, wow, I never put it there. But then I scampered off to check that, and it was not there. But I thought, you know, it's not there right now, but I bet you it's going to show up there. So I just kept that positive attitude and the expectation that this would return to me. And a 
about a few days to maybe about a week later, I was just opening my drawer, and there it was. So definitely right where I'd envisioned it, right where it never had been before, right where I would never put it, there it was. So, <laughs> I always envision these little elves playing tricks on me. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's stories that go back to, you know, ancient times, especially in Scandinavia. Sorry. Just we were supposed to have a little music there. <laughs> Sorry. Is that an ad break? Or? <laughs> Scandinavian music. <laughs> Just a music break. So they were shifting reality or something. <laughs> it was really cute. Uh, it's like what elves would do. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's where I get it from because I have a Scandinavian background. I, no, no one's ever told me that, but I just, in my mind, I think there's little tricks that these little elves are playing. Right. Well, there are. I was going to tell you, there are lots of stories about the elves, the fairies, and I, we don't hear it so much in America right now, but it used to be in the times of the Scandinavian farmers, you know, in the, I guess, the 1400s, 1600s, that there was an expectation from people that lived on their farms that sometimes in the morning you'd go out to milk the cows and you'd find you know, when you're going out to the barn, that, that somebody or something had braided the horse's mane and put little flowers in its in its mane. And, you know, these are the kind of things that would actually commonly happen in Scandinavian barns. And, of That's course, sweet. people expected that, you know, these are the, the elves, these are the fairies, and they would leave out little food for them in the wintertime sometimes, um, like little shrines and so forth. And we just don't hear about that much here in America, but... If you travel the world, you'll hear stories of fair, fairies and elves on all continents, in all civilizations. And I think that's pretty remarkable that that there is such a prevalence of that. So I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm saying, well, maybe it is true. <laughs> well, know, maybe they're just on another realm that we yeah, don't see. Exactly. And that would make sense. I've actually had some experiences that I can only say probably were fairies or elves and and so when that's happened to me, and I haven't written a book about it, but that, that's why I don't just dismiss it out of hand and say, oh, no, no, we must look to what we know of physics so far. Well, that's ridiculous because I've actually had some um, inexplicable experiences otherwise with fairies and elves just walking um, in nature near my home. I know it's not in the subject of the book Reality Shifts, but but it sort of is because people say, well, maybe the elves are doing this, and... I think that's entirely possible. Well, I think it would be fun to have a show just with people calling in and, and, and talking about their things that have happened to them. It would be fun. Uh, do you have a blog where people um, write you and tell you what things have happened to them? Yes. Um, I've, for the more than the last 10 years, I've been, like I said, sharing stories, and I would do that through a newsletter. Every single issue is published on my realityshifters.com website under the news header. But recently, this last year, I converted to a blog format with YouTube and using the WordPress blogging feature and that therefore going to Facebook and Twitter where it seems like everyone's going now. Um, and that was a bit of a transition, but I still share stories and people sometimes report them either on the Facebook page or they'll report it right there on the blog because you can comment on the blog. So... That's a great way to see what's happening and some of the stories that are current. But all the stories that I've collected since 1999 when I started the website are up on realityshifters.com on the Your Stories pages. It's a big website, so there's a lot of free information there. But I think the easy way to access it would be just go to the newsletter page and then click through. And There was a theme for each of the newsletters that was published that's archived there on the site. It's a great way to see um, just a variety of experiences. Like people often encountering um, the experience that they could travel a long distance in a very short time. That's been quite a theme. And oh, that, thing, happened. Yeah. that happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Can I share my story? I'd love to hear it. Okay. Um, I was going to a workshop in Sedona, and my plane... Uh, landed about the time that the workshop was going to start in Phoenix. 
So they said, well, we're going to start the workshop without you. You'll just miss a couple hours. So when I landed, I went directly. I was like the first one in line to get the rental car. And I thought, oh, that was really nice. And so and I got out, and, and then they told me it would be kind of hard to find where it was. And it was just like I was like on a plateau. I mean, it was like I was in a cloud, and it was like everything was just going so fast. And I got to the place of the workshop without you know, any problems with finding it. And I get out, and there's this lady wandering around, and I said, do you know where such and such is? And she goes, oh, that's the workshop I'm in. I just went to get some extra uh, pencils. She mm-hmm. says, you're here already? And I, she walked me in, and no one could believe I was had gotten there that quickly. I was like an hour ahead of the time I should have been there. So that was just really strange. Wow. Yeah. That is really strange. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes people will drive uh, uh, the same drive that they're used to driving, like from north to south Cal- California, which can take like 10 hours or so. And they'll be on such a long drive, but somehow it doesn't take 10 hours. It takes like two and a half hours, I mean literally, from start to finish. And they're not quite sure how that happened, <laughs> you know. Like so, I left at breakfast and I got there at lunchtime. And wait a minute, <laughs> and it can happen anywhere. It's not just the Bermuda Triangle that is Berkeley, um, California, where I live. But you know, it can happen in Florida. Th- these stories are being reported around the world, you know, all across Europe and the Middle East and Asia, and even across the Pacific Ocean and down in Australia. So I think I think the common denominator that, that I'm noticing when I look at these stories is that, like I said, it's becoming a little bit more commonly accepted um, than it was when I first started my website back in 99, which I think is a testimony to the fact that people are becoming a lot more familiar with the the fact that we really are creating what we imagine. I mean, we're literally doing that. I think on a deep level... Uh, humanity has come up a few notches on a learning curve. And so we're much more aware that what we perceive and and how we view the world through our lenses of perception can totally change everything. And we see this with athletes when they're training for some sort of a competitive event like the Olympics or the Tour de France or something like that. Um, The most important thing for an athlete is to achieve and maintain a very positive success vision uh, of their own peak performance and just focusing exclusively on that, not losing sight of it, and doing everything that's in line with that. So when we do that kind of positive thinking, we're literally selecting the reality where that's the case. And so we can move ourselves into that reality. And you'll see that people who succeed with uh, weight loss programs where they use meditation I believe they're basically choosing another reality also. So some people call this quantum jumping. That's another big term right now. That you can quantum jump from one reality to another. And this is the topic of the History Channel TV show I was on recently. It was about quantum jumping. And and reality shifting is pretty much the same thing. It's just that, that idea that you are able to steer yourself and the world in the direction based on your thoughts, your feelings, both in your heart and your gut feelings as well. Well, the Native Americans believed in, or still believe in, uh, shape-shifting. Yes. Yeah, that's really true. And and um, traveling in the form of an animal spirit so that they can look down from the sky as an eagle, for example, and really feel that they are that eagle. So it's, I think these indigenous peoples are very, um, they've been aware for a long time that consciousness is the key and that consciousness is the true nature of who we really are. And that's that's what I was hoping to share with the book Reality Shifts to get into that state of mind. And I think that's the one that you were picking up on, Taz, when you were so excited about how it opens the doors to new thought and really helps take people to um, to kind of a happy place, you know, like that place yeah. where you can recognize that this is one waking dream and we're we're in it. We're 
You know, we're. It's, um, al- <laughs> it's almost like we're an artist and we're painting our own reality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, every time. I mean, even my significant other, he hardly ever picks up a book. And let me tell you, and I handed this to him, and I was just saying, we're going to be interviewing Cynthia, and this is her book. And would you just do me a favor? I don't care where you go through the book, just take a look. And um, you know what? He stayed in there. It was like an hour and a half, and I thought, he's still reading it. kind of blew me away. And I went back, and I said, what do you think about it? He said, oh, my God, it's great. Yeah, I mean, he literally he was, I think he was so shocked. At a book where you could pick up anywhere, and you could, you could just have a tickle in your heart, you know, and it brought you to a higher level of frequency than when you began, and that's, you know, um, I think that's pretty incredible. I, I don't, I don't think I've picked up a book anywhere else where I could do that, and I'm telling you, this book, you got to have it on your shelf. <laughs> or give it as a gift or something for Christmas to someone because it will really bring a smile to their face. I mean, it's uh, it's really a real pleasure to to read this book. And um, you know what? I have to confess, I just keep skipping around. I don't know what I think I'm going to get into a better section. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what I mean? I just keep skipping all over this book and keep going back to some stories. Is there any story that's your most favorite or two? Can you pluck out a couple of them and read to our listening audience? Oh, so they sure. Can oh, my yeah, God. I'm just so glad to hear that. I actually like hearing that you flip around randomly through it. I know most authors would be offended, you know, like, what? <laughs> Maybe I'm imagining that. I'm not offended at all. I just think it's great because it. Because um, I think that's a lot the way I think too. I, I think that that's the way a good book should be. That it just invites you in anywhere. It's like if you were eating your favorite food and you're a kid, and like, what if you were a kid and someone brought you some your very favorite dessert? Like maybe it's a certain kind of cake or pie, and it was all yours, and you could just eat whatever you want. You probably would be nibbling all over the place. And so to me, that's the sign of a really good book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, that's the truth. Um, this, your your new book is called Reality Shifts, or When Consciousness Changes the Physical World. And um, it actually it has been enthusiastically endorsed by Edgar uh, Mitchell and Dr. Larry Dorsey and even Fred Allen Wolf. I mean, this book is <laughs> Fred Allen Wolf. We've had him with us. It's so funny. I mean, you know uh, how hopefully, he talks yeah. about yeah, uh, Dr. Wolf really believes in this type of thing. So yeah, to get his endorsement is really something else. Yeah, yeah so uh, I think um, what the example I'd love to pick up again is one I briefly mentioned because I was already talking about it, and it was the one where I um, well, I could talk about it if, it's, if, if you have a bit of time because it may take me a bit to read it, but it's the sundial yeah. sculpture appearance. This was very big deal for me because I was meeting with two friends that I used to work with. Well, I can just read it or I can tell you about it either way. Should I read it or talk about it? Either way, it's fine. <laughs> read it? Okay. I met with two friends, Jan and Cliff, for brunch at a restaurant in the Berkeley Marina one seemingly normal day. We continued our conversation with a leisurely stroll around the marina, as we often enjoyed doing when we got together. I told my friends about some reality shifts I'd seen and how much I wished they could see one, too, when one occurred right on the spot. We were walking together towards the pier when my friend Cliff asked us, do either of you recall ever seeing that statue here before? As he pointed at a giant sculpture of a sundial. Jan replied, no, I don't. I felt tremendously excited because I'd seen that sculpture there, but never when I was there with these two friends. The sundial seemed to rise up proudly towards the sun, to greet us as we walked in odd silence to get a better look. We walked around the 10-foot-tall concrete sculpture as children sat and climbed around on it. This installation is in a central location people notice right in the middle of a square at the foot of the Berkeley Pier. Amazingly, the sundial sculpture's absence had previously allowed us to clearly see another giant sculpture situated up on a hill above the sundial when we were on the pier and walking back towards the shore. But now that the sundial was there, we noticed we couldn't see the other sculpture as well because it was partially obscured by the sundial. The other sculpture is a larger-than-life-size Asian archer 
on horseback with fully drawn bow, aiming his arrow out over the bay, shooting over the sundial's spot. I told my friends the sundial sculpture had always been here when I had come here without them, but never when we were here together until now. The sundial is chipped and worn, made out of concrete, and bears the following inscription. The peoples of the bountiful Pacific Ocean are brought together by the sweep of time. This sundial honors the citizens of Sakai, Japan, the sister city of Berkeley. United in warm friendship and goodwill, the peoples of Sakai and Berkeley strengthen mutual understanding and respect through the exchange of visitors and cultural programs. This sundial is dedicated to the continuing friendship and growing association between Sakai and Berkeley, 1970. I am deeply impressed that something as large and majestic as this sundial vanished and reappeared. Grasping the magnitude of what else must be possible if such large things can so easily be transformed or transported in time and space. The sundial itself is a symbol that reminds me how love transcends space and time to unite all of us across oceans that physically separate us from one another. I feel great reverence for this universe that allows us to glimpse occasional insights as to how it materializes around us. And so that's the gist of it. I am... It was interesting because then we continued a conversation and Jan had told me that sometimes when she comes back from traveling overseas, she'll notice that people seem to change and she sees reality shifts in people. So so is that sundial actually there? Or? It's been there ever since, yeah. It's kind of interesting because, like I said, it's like a, um, and this brings up that question before about parallel worlds. If there are parallel worlds, then I've been walking between them which I believe shaman always did in the past, um, and I think most of us do without noticing we're doing it because it just seems like regular reality. And I wouldn't have even noticed there was anything different except my friends pointed it out, and then suddenly um, they'd never seen that statue there before. And, in fact, if it had been there, we couldn't have always seen the other statue that um, was in a clear line of sight but becomes blocked by the sundials statue. And I did investigate it with the harbor master later. And as with most of these reality shift stories, whether it's restaurant decor that changes or buildings or hours that change, um anytime I investigate these things, it's always the same story. No, this is the way it's always been. And even when I go back and forth between realities, there's almost no point asking about it because they're <laughs> going to tell you it's always been this way. And then I know it's me. I'm the one going between realities. So your friends must have been going between realities also. <laughs> they did. And that's what's exciting, that we can actually go to these new realities together so that when you get a miraculous um, healing or remission from cancer or whatever it is, you can go there with your whole family. Um, everybody can be along for that happy ride. So that's that's why this is such an important subject. It's not frivolous in any way. I, I think the sundial sculpture is huge because you can just see this is a gigantic monolith you know it's it's this enormous thing so to to see that something as big as a building or as big as a statue could just either be there one minute and gone the next and back again um i think that's extraordinary and, and that's the kind of thing that really wakes me up and it gets my attention <laughs> Well, when my husband and I get into a debate about something that was there and he says it wasn't there before and I say it was or vice versa, I will say it's just a reality shift. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you must have been there after me or before me. <laughs> that's so true. Well, I think that's the key to, to getting along with people because when you recognize that reality can shift, then it changes what we think of as true and false, and it affects our courts of law. It has implications and ripples everywhere. And definitely within human relationships, like marriages and family discussions about whether something did or didn't happen. And for me, I've, I've had to loosen things up and get relaxed about it and realize, well, I can't really be sure that I'm as right as I think I am because that could have changed anyway. You know, there, like you said, it could all be a reality shift. Yeah. Well, and my all of your. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, my brother and I were together um, uh, a, a month or so ago, and he was telling about some stories when we were kids. And I'd go, Really? You really believe that? 
And he'd go, yeah, that's really what did happen. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> it sounded a lot more fun the way he was telling it. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's kind of funny because he would remember things that I would think that I would remember because I'm older than him. You know what I mean? And for him to come up and say that, I go, my gosh, you were, you're only five and you remembered this. This is really amazing. You know what I mean? And to me, it was. It was amazing. So, uh, you know, like there, maybe there's all these things at the time. We It was through our eyes that we got to see this and how wonderful that is to be able to hear, you know, that person's story. Yeah. I just wonder if um, we can hop into our ancestors' reality. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And yes, it is possible to, uh, when when you realize that reality shifts are helping us basically bridge um, space and time, that we can travel quickly, that we can um, influence the past. There's so much to get into that's in this book that I think it's more than we can actually talk about in an hour. (laughs) But but the fun thing is, yes, yes, yes. I, I would say that whatever the mind can imagine, we can experience. And one thing I've noticed about reality shifts is that if I'm feeling like I personally don't want to experience a certain kind of reality shift, um, like I like to experience the ones I would enjoy, but not the ones that I would find stressful or traumatic. And for me, personally, being transported into my ancestors' time suddenly would be rather traumatic for me. But I do actually know, I have a friend who did take a walk back in time you know, she um, was just walking through Moundsville. It was um, she was with a couple of friends, and they were just um, traveling. You know, just just walking around the area together. I'm not sure exactly um, what precipitated this experience, but as they were walking through town, and there's an Indian mound there. I think that's how it got the name um, Moundsville. That when they were walking through the area, they um, it, what happened is they they just suddenly it was as if they'd um, gone through a time warp or something, and I think this was back in 1989. Um, but it's um, these were teenagers and they'd I guess been skating or something. And anyway, they were walking past the mound to get to where they lived. But suddenly they're not in 1989 anymore, and they could tell it was different because it, um, the time of day had changed as well. It, it, it had been nighttime and October, but then suddenly it's like all this dust was around and a smell of rotten meat, like smells that you'd never expect, and now it's not night, it's day, and they could see horse-drawn carriages and people that were dressed in clothing, like from the 1800s, and they heard someone say the word Elizabethtown, which apparently was the original name of Moundsville, and there were trees covering the mound, and people were wearing these really drab clothing. Uh, women were wearing these old-fashioned dresses and hats. And everybody was walking toward um, some some sort of a hanging or something that was going on. So it was just really, really weird. One of the the teenagers touched a dog's head as it ran by, and she felt like it was like touching jello. So And the carriage went right through them. So it's kind of like, you know, we were talking about fairies and elves before. Um, so I guess if you go back in time, it's possible to experience it um, in sort of like a dreamlike, interdimensional fashion. And this is one of the stories that I do share on my Reality Shifters website. Um, it, it really, uh, it was very disturbing to the young girls that were walking along, and they wouldn't even talk about it with each other anymore after that. So It's really uh, odd that they both experienced it at the same time. I mean, it's like right. confirmation. Yeah, right. And this has happened, um, I think there's a famous example of this that happened in France um, with some school teachers that were going to visit, um, what is that called, the palace at Versailles, I think. And they'd just been walking through the grounds and suddenly they were transported back in time. And I think they wrote a book about it. So this sort of thing does happen on occasion, but uh, believe me, that sounds traumatic. you know. So I don't think it happens frequently. And the reason, I believe, is because I think people would be um, disturbed if it did happen just without warning and suddenly the next thing you know, you're back in time. Yeah, I just want to let people know also on your um, realityshifters.com website, 
you also have videos. I love to watch you on videos. <laughs> I, I, it's really so much fun for me. I, you know, you just, um, you're kind of like, almost like you're conversing. I mean, with the person there watching, it's really cool. Um, and you have, um, uh, yeah, let's see. Can people grab your book actually on your from your website? Yes, um, there's the the order page. So if you just click on when, once you're at realityshifters.com, you can yeah. click on shop, and there it is. It's uh, available for purchase with the autographed version if people want that. And okay. I always make sure to put some real positive energy with everything I ship out personally. There's also the option to look inside the book there and be be patient. Go get a cup of coffee or something because it can take a minute to load. <laughs> you can also look at it in. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, may your shifting, may your shifting be uh, full of joy. Ah, that's good. <laughs> um, Has there been something that's happened um, with you or to uh, one of your bloggers after the book has been written that really was astonishing to you? Oh my goodness, yes. I, I mean, I, I hear about things all the time where people have just had extraordinary experiences. I mean, I've, I've been getting stories from around the world all the time, but um, I think some of the biggest ones have to do with people. Um, often people, what they want the most is love in their life. You know, they just want a better connection to other people. Um, and I think these are intangible things. So sometimes people don't realize that just by being intentionally aware that, that you can shape your reality through your consciousness and through a kind voice and kind words makes such a difference. So I do get people writing to me about that. Um, in the realm of money, I, um, after talking about reality shifts, one man went back home and he later told me that he'd found $1,000 in his dresser that hadn't been there before. So I've heard lots of wonderful, amazing stories. You know, people just generally delighted about the fact that reality is much more malleable than we tend to give it credit for. We we tend to think that everything is solid and just right here and it doesn't move, but that's not the kind of universe we live in. And, and in fact, if, if you study physics closely, I have a degree in physics from UC Berkeley, and it was back when quantum physics was just had just come out, which I loved. I, I loved the idea of quantum physics, although it seemed so mysterious and it seemed um, to be in a whole different realm than the the kind of physics that's involving uh, frictionless planes and you know lots of assumptions are made to do the the physics problems because many body problems get complicated and so forth but quantum physics wow it, it just seemed like uh, there wasn't so much of showing work to be done because you pretty much just write down the answer <clears throat> and that's kind of the way I think I think when I'm in the intuitive mode so I really enjoyed it and the more that I see about what's going on currently with physics and the acknowledgement that we live in a universe that we we don't just create forward in time we also affect the past and we do it on a regular basis and i think most people are not aware of this they're just not they don't think of themselves as able to change their childhood able to change what happened last month um, once again we've got this very strong assumption which to me, it doesn't seem based in reality. And <laughs> and if you can loosen that belief up a little bit, you'll get some really good reality shifts. That you can change your past. It's not set in stone. You know, just as much as all these things that are that we're describing today are happening, we can actually shift things in the past as well. And yeah, we Native, Amer- Native Americans believe we can shift seven generations back and seven generations forward. Yeah, so, that's so they're... I like it when when a, a group of people can open the belief system up so that there's more wiggle room. And, because when you imagine that it's possible, it's a lot easier for people to experience these things. Like if you go to South America, people believe that even after someone's physically dead, they might still show up for holiday parties and gatherings. And you know the doorbell rings and one more guest. It's <laughs> Uncle Charlie. He passed away last year, but he can't miss out on this gathering. And they believe it, and so it happens. Uh, here in America, we don't believe that. And if Uncle Charlie showed up on the front door, you know, someone would faint. You know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> well, with, oh my god, uh, do you 
you feel like you can manifest, you know, your knowledge of all of this um, reality shifting, can you personally manifest more than what you were manifesting before you was inve- you were investigating all of this and, and and becoming so involved? Are you able to manifest more now? Well, that's a good question. It, when I'm in a state of mind, um, it, it's all dependent on my meditative state of mind. So it, it all revolves around um, how am I doing at this very moment in staying grounded, energized, and positive. And, and frankly, to be honest with you, that varies a lot from day to day. I, I know how important it is to stay grounded, positive, and um, you know, energized. But I, I get distracted like other people do, and I get pulled off course and... In, into a state of responding to things that seem like problems. Um, but when I have a day and I remember to meditate first, when I remember to get grounded and positive and energized first, then what a difference it makes. And and I know that. So I'm, I'm human, and I guess I'm telling you this so that you don't, you realize I'm not. Uh, yeah, so to, the quick answer to your question is yes, there's improvement. Um, and it's definitely based on how well I'm doing day by day with just staying in that kind of state of mind that, that I'm describing, that this book is all about. So I, I, I'm human. And what I mean is, you know, I've, I've got people in my life and difficult situations, things come up, there are politics everywhere, you know. So these are the sorts of things that can pull people off course slightly. And I'm I'm human that way. So I need to constantly <laughs> remind myself. <laughs> uh, okay. Cynthia, let me, let me let people know who we're talking with. It's Cynthia Sue Larson. And her website is realityshifters.com. And on there you can go to the area where you can pick up her book. And um, I just see something now that says, Shifting realities as easily as shifting gears in a car. I like that. <laughs> yes. Oh. And, and be sh- sure to share your stories and read other people's stories. It's a, a fun website. Thank you, Cynthia, for with us. Oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It went so quickly because it's so much fun to talk about. So we look forward to having you again. Yes, thank you. It's all infectious. (laughs) Thank you so much. We love you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for being with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.